Last night, violence erupted between the Proud Boys and far left groups like Antifa. We saw it in Washington, D.C. and Washington State. So East Coast and West Coast. In Washington State, somebody got shot, I believe, in the stomach. And I'm not entirely sure what their condition is. We'll read through the story. But my understanding is that there was a Trump supporter who was surrounded and being attacked. And a man came up in a parking lot armed and fired in defense of this man. In Washington, D.C., four people were stabbed. You can't have guns in D.C. And they're in critical condition. Of course, now the left is screaming as Proud Boys trends nationwide saying, what have the Proud Boys done? This far right violence. There's a video of the Proud Boys taking a Black Lives Matter banner off a church. I think it's a church and then burning it in the street. And what do you want me to say about it? What do you want me to say about Proud Boys going after Antifa? Come on, tell me far left. What am I supposed to say? Leftists, media, Vox.com, BuzzFeed. What do you want me to say? When Antifa went around beating the crap out of people, you said it's good that they're chasing out these extremists. So when the Proud Boys go around beating up Antifa, am I supposed to just agree it's good that someone is going and beating up these extremists? You people have lost your minds. You see, for, for years now, we have seen the escalation of this violence. And now four people are in critical condition from stab wounds and someone got shot. It's not the worst we've seen ever, but it's seri- it's, it's pretty bad. And I could only say the same thing when I see Proud Boys going and tearing down banners and burning them. What, what, what do you think my complaint is when Antifa goes and burns the American flag? And maybe this is the big difference between someone like me and maybe a, a tribalist or a faction. First, I don't like the American flag being burned. But my issue is if it's your property, you can burn it if you want, so long as you're doing it safely. I do think it's kind of silly that these people think they have the right just to burn something in the street when a fire could probably cause some serious damage. But if it's your flag, do what you want. But when they go to someone's home and they rip the flag off their porch or their building and they burn it, now that's theft. Now that's more extreme and dangerous. And what do we get from the far left? They say it's good. They're just anti-fascists. You see, they're extremists, they say, that roam the streets. And the only way to stop them is to punch them in the face. That's what they keep saying. Do you have any idea what happens if you keep doing that? You invoke an equal and opposite reaction. In fact, I don't think it's fair to say equal and opposite. I think it's fair to say the far left, which tend to be dainty, gaunt looking white progressives, are going to invoke a much more powerful opposite reaction. The Proud Boys tend to be better built, if that's one way I can put it. So when the Proud Boys go around beating the crap out of these extremists, first and foremost, I think it's all bad. I think the violence is all bad. We don't want any of this. We just want to live our lives and go to work. Well, unfortunately, the Democratic governors have really seen to uh, us not being able to do that. But we don't want violence and escalation. But then there, there's no there's no answer. There isn't any. There's literally no correct answer. There's no fence. There's no middle ground. I'll tell you why. Antifa has been going around beating and, and injuring and attacking people with near impunity. The media has defended them over and over again or lied to make it seem like they're just, oh, just simple protesters. I've been covering this stuff for a decade. I've seen what these people do. They're insane, but they're clever. They're well organized and they know there's a limit to the extent that they can engage in violence before they get bad press. When Andy Ngo was brutally attacked, 
the press was severe. All of a sudden, the media was writing stories saying Antifa is, you know, too far. It's too far. And Antifa got really mad and then desperately tried to smear Andy No to save face. They know they're organized. They have their limits. But also, let's be real. Many of these Antifa people, many of whom are armed and capable and smart, many of them are gaunt, frail, white progressive men who are pampered and completely incapable. But there certainly are stronger individuals within the far left, you know, grouping. And there are certainly, you know, I don't know, I guess you can say men of stronger standing, you know, better built. However, most of the Proud Boys tend to be better built than Antifa. So what do we get? I watched a video last night uh, and it was two Antifa being brutally beaten and chased down the street. It made it to the top posts on Reddit. And they said, the Proud Boys are attacking an innocent couple. Apparently, the innocent couple were previously beating someone and the Proud Boys surrounded them. And I thought to myself, it's really funny. Antifa are all tough when they have mobs to beat random people. So let's, 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 let's be real here. I watched a video out of Portland where three regular dudes, just random guys, are walking down the street and Antifa stalked them, beat them and pushed them. They weren't fighting back. They weren't involved. They were non-belligerents. Is, is, the, is that video going viral of the Proud Boys, them attacking random people? No, it was them beating up Antifa individuals who were previously beating other people. Now, when these people are trying to retreat and escape and the Proud Boys run up and start punching them in the back of the head and one guy grabs the woman's hair and pulls her to the ground, that's pathetic. That is spineless and pathetic. If you guys think you're tough and you want to defend somebody, by all means, if someone's being beaten, defend them, stand up to them. But if you're going to go up behind a woman and pull her by the hair and drop her to the ground, dude, you're almost as bad as Antifa. I know I can't say just as bad because it's not true, but that that's pathetic. Don't grab a woman by the hair and pull her to the ground as she's fleeing. That's pathetic and it's wrong. But, but there, there's, a, there's a moral impasse in this news that I can't get past. I was thinking about what can I tweet? I saw this video. I don't like watching it. I don't like the fact the Proud Boys try, they, they stole a Black Lives Matter banner and then burned it. There's a video of a guy trying to steal another banner. Don't steal people's property. But what about when Antifa doesn't, the media gets away with it? I'm like, well, I can condemn it all and I have no problem doing it. But there's a serious problem when the left advocates for and cheers for punching a Nazi, they say. Okay, sure. You do realize that you're going to invoke the, 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 the other reaction, right? So when I see Antifa beating and injuring people and getting away with it, what can we do? Nothing. The police aren't doing anything. And I'm not too happy with cops right now anyway, because they're basically enforcing unconstitutional edict. Many of these uh, uh, sheriffs are doing all right, you know, saying they're not going to enforce some of these gun laws and some of these lockdowns. But in bigger cities, I'm not going to come to defense of any of these cops. They want to go and lock down people's lives and businesses and not deal with Antifa? Nah, sorry, you're on your own. But here's the problem. I'd love if the cops broke up the fights. Okay, good, good. Because it, it happened, right? Cops had pepper sprayed both sides. But what happens when you are told by the media for four years or more that it is good what Antifa is doing because the only way to stop fascism is to beat it? Okay, well, then the only, stop, the only way to stop communism is to do what? Beat it, right? 
I thought about that video I saw where the Proud Boys are just beating the ever-living crap out of these two Antifa. And I'm like, you know what's funny? All the left is screeching about this. I think it's bad because the Antifa were trying to run away. It's like, dude, you won the fight. Bye-bye. But I thought it was really funny that these Antifa people harass, they throw explosives at diners and restaurants, and they've done it on multiple occasions. They demand you bend the knee, and the Proud Boys don't do that. The Proud Boys don't walk at people at restaurants and say, salute the American flag right now or else. They don't. Antifa does. They say, raise your fist or else. And they surround you and scream in your face. And they've thrown explosives into restaurants. That happened. Happened in D.C. They've also flipped over tables and trashed restaurants. So when the left keeps telling me the only way to stop the extremists is to punch them, and then I see a bunch of Proud Boys saying, we're going to punch them, I'm like, but that's what the media said to do. So then I wonder, if the cops aren't going to stop the extremists, well, then maybe the far left was correct. It's horrifying, isn't it? We don't want the violence or the escalation. But I'll tell you, man, I do think it just continues from here. Proud Boys the other day in D.C. were more like Antifa than I have ever seen, burning these banners and attacking these Antifa as they were trying to flee. And it's factional, though. You know, the one thing they didn't do was just randomly attack innocent people. I know the left will claim that's true, but that's 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 not true. The one thing I will say as well, and we'll read the story, is that Antifa is only empowered when they're in a group. And you know what? I found it actually kind of uh, funny. Yeah, funny. haha. These two anti-fascists who were getting the ever-living uh, crap beaten out of them, I was like, not so tough now, are you? Going around and beating random people and harassing restaurant goers and flipping tables because you're surrounded by your friends. But the moment someone steps up and says no and pushes back, y'all get stomped out. And it's all bad. It is all bad. What the Proud Boys did, you know what? I understand completely based entirely off of what how the left described everything. Well, yeah. What do you think is going to happen? I, I think all the violence is, is bad and it's going to escalate. But there's the, the, the inherent challenge and why I say there's no middle ground, there's no fence, is that you either have Antifa beating and attacking and maiming people, terrorizing them, and cancel culture coming from the far left, terrorizing people. So both body and mind are under a state of terror where regular people can't speak up for who they want to vote for. They can't speak up a defense of what they believe in. Otherwise, they'll lose their job or get beaten in the streets. And the only thing that is likely to occur is the other side will respond. That was inevitable. And the police won't do anything about it. The police can't do anything about cancel culture. So you look at where we're at. The cultural institutions are all completely controlled by the far left, which means they own cancel culture and there is nothing you can do to stop it. Parlor exists. They try to cancel that, but it doesn't seem to be working right now. But the infrastructure of technology is pretty much controlled by the far left as well. It's only a matter of time before Google or some other company seizes the DNS or servers of those hosting Parler. Because Parler is where the conservatives are. So long as that exists, you will uh, you will have serious there'll be serious trouble for the right to actually organize and it will allow the far left to terrorize the lives of regular people. Antifa has beaten and attacked regular people. They've beaten people uh, outside their homes. They've, they've, they've threatened people in their homes. In Portland, they did it. They went to a guy's house and demanded he take his American flag down. Otherwise, they'd burn it to the ground. I was hosting an event 
where it was it was called uh, I think it was called like ending authoritarian authoritarianism, racism and violence. And our keynote speaker was one of the most notorious uh, uh, de-radicalizers of Klan members, Daryl Davis. And Antifa threatened to burn the theater down and they were harassing the other venues that were involved. And they came and they threatened us with violence. The police locked the street down. It's been a terror campaign endlessly from these extremists on the far left. Now that the Proud Boys came out and have done essentially what Antifa does, but only to Antifa, mind you, stealing the banners and stuff like that, also wrong, because that wasn't Antifa, but it was to Black Lives Matter, so it was far left, I suppose, ideology. Now the media is starting to uh, Twitter because the institutions are controlled by the left, are freaking out. And that's the problem the conservatives have. They have no control over cultural institutions for the most part. But again, there's no middle ground. There's either uh, you agree with the violence of the Proud Boys, or you agree with the violence from the Antifa. There, there's, what do you say? I mean, the violence is all bad, but am I supposed to sit back and just be like, it's a, it's, it's, it's a good thing that Antifa is, be, is not being stopped by anybody and the cops aren't doing anything and they're beating random people. Of course not. It's a bad thing. So then we ask, can someone please do something? How do we stop this? Nothing is stopping it. Nothing is stopping it. The police won't arrest them. And when they do on, on the rare occasion, they get cut loose by the district attorneys. They're flipping tables at restaurants. They're throwing explosives at regular people. Then finally, the only thing that can happen is the Proud Boys come up and attack them. And what am I supposed to say? It's the only outcome because regular people are snapping. And I tell you, it's the greatest recruitment drive for Proud Boys. To see a video, finally, of these black clad terrorists getting, you know, some kind of uh, comeuppance or just being stopped, people are going to cheer for it. I wish it never happened because it's all bad. Yep, there it is. Still trying to be some kind of centrist on this. The problem is, if the Proud Boys don't show up, then Antifa terrorizes regular people. So there's no answer. There's none whatsoever. Other than saying violence is bad and we don't want any of it. It's just going to get worse. The Daily Mail reports, clashes erupted between members of the Proud Boys and Black Lives Matter protesters in D.C. Four protesters were stabbed and transported to hospital in critical condition. Eight people in total went to the hospital over the course of the night, including two officers. There were 23 arrests as Proud Boys and BLM fought. The massive pro-Trump crowd had gathered after the Supreme Court issued Trump with yet another loss Friday night in dismissing a case filed by the Texas attorney general. Trump also lost his uh, Wisconsin case as well. Michael Flynn was there. Alex Jones was there. Enrique Tarrio. Meanwhile, in Washington state, a person was shot in similar violent clashes between protest groups. Washington state police declared a riot in Olympia around 1.30 p.m. Pacific time. And in Sacramento, five cops were injured and six people were arrested following violent protests. There's a ton of crazy videos. You see this in Olympia, Washington. Black clad mask wearing terrorists have been going around and attacking regular people for years now. And the Proud Boys have done nothing other than counter them. But more importantly, the Proud Boys, although they do hold rallies in cities like Portland, the Proud Boys will hold their rallies and then Antifa shows up and fights them. That tends to be the case. The Proud Boys aren't seeking out these uh, these individuals for the most part. The Proud Boys choosing to go to Portland is stupid because they know they'll show up. So at a certain point, they kind of are. So we have a bunch of photos here, a ridiculous amount of photos. I want to show you something. You see all of these, these, uh, uh, this, these black text, like their captions, okay? And you can see all these, you know, photo symbols. I had to remove all these photos. You know why? Because they were gruesome and violent. 
many depicted blood and injury. And aside from me typically removing graphic images because I don't show graphic images, uh, I mean, that's basically the gist of it. Uh, you, I, I just, I had to remove all of these because it was violent, bloody fists flying. And, uh, that's crazy that th- this I've never, I've never had to go through an article this much, just like taking out these photos because it was graphic and violent. You you might notice I, I, I don't show this stuff. Um, people, some people, sometimes people get mad. They say, why don't you show the videos? Because look, man, Sometimes there are people that want to know what's going on, but they don't want to see the photo of a guy whose face is covered in blood, I guess. And this, I, I try to be family friendly so that people can listen to this and, and, and watch these videos when they, maybe their kids are around. To be completely honest, I got a bunch of messages very early on several years ago from people asking to, to try and you know, talk to the news, but keep it as family friendly as possible. I can still talk about someone getting shot in the stomach and four people being in critical condition. I'm not going to show it. You know, you can go to the Daily Mail and you can see the photos. They're brutal. But you can see that people are, are increasingly getting in each other's faces. The crowds are getting bigger. Here's more photos I had to take out. Here's the Proud Boys rallying in D.C. And I can only imagine there's going to be more of them to come. Not every single person who showed up was a Proud Boy. Just some Trump supporters, people on the right. I do think it's very strange that many on the right will praise the police as the police pepper spray them and attack them because I'm over it. I'm over these uh, D.C. cops. You want I'm not praising any D.C. cops. They're the ones who allowed the, the mayor to illegally change the name of a, of a street and paint a political slogan. I'm not praising these Praetorian Guard for the far left lunatics. I, I, I'll tell you this, man. I have no idea how at this point Trump supporters are in support of cops in blue cities. You want to be in support of cops in rural areas who are accountable and uphold the Constitution? If you want to be nice to them and praise them, defend them, do it to it. I will as well. Not every cop is the same. And that's one of the problems I have with the idea of saying all cops are bad. Well, they use a different word for it. Or saying every cop. Many, yeah. Because there are still rural cops in, say, like New York State who will, who will suppress your Second Amendment rights in first and fourth and fifth, etc., and there are many states where they're just bad cops across the board from state troopers or otherwise. But I think it really comes down to blue state versus red state. Maybe the institution of policing is bad because even in a red state, they'll still uphold unconstitutional law, I suppose. But at this point, I can at least differentiate between the cops in New Jersey and the cops in, say, I don't know, Pennsylvania. They're not perfect in Pennsylvania, but I can absolutely uh, tell you the difference between a cop in West Virginia and a cop in New Jersey. So if you're in Washington, D.C., these cops are enforcing far left illegal activity. It's that. Look at that. In New York City, the NYPD is aiding and abetting far left illegal activity. I'm not exaggerating. The mayor used taxpayer dollars to paint a far left slogan in the street in violation of the law and then has 27 NYPD protect it. Those cops are criminals. They're committing crimes. I don't care if they're wearing a badge. If someone breaks the law and you aid them, you're an accomplice. They're oath breakers. They're mindless drones that don't care that they're breaking the law and protecting those who do. And therein lies the very serious problem we're facing as a country. 
What happens when there are police who blatantly break the law? I mean, the Constitution is the supreme law of the land, right? I guess it's not technically uh, codified statutory law, in which case you can't necessarily, it's not legally illegal. It's like by legal definition, it's unconstitutional. There's a difference. Something unconstitutional gets resolved in court. Something illegal, there's a, there's, there's a penalty in, in civil or criminal court. But if the Constitution is the supreme law of the land, then who, what, what are these cops who think they have a right to police whether or not you, you know, practice your Second Amendment right or otherwise? In New York state and many of these blue states, the cops brazenly break the law and they don't care. They don't. I'm not stupid enough to say they're all bad, but I can understand why Antifa says it because, well, they're really dumb. You know what I mean? Uh, people like Antifa tend to live in big cities and have no idea what life is like out in the middle of nowhere. And they've never interacted with, you know, a county departments or smaller towns and things like that, sheriffs, etc. In which case they think every cop is a city cop. Well, you know what? I don't completely disagree at this point. There was a time when I when I was absolutely defending the police when they were rioting and, you know, smashing people's windows because they were targeting regular people and we need the police to defend them. I'm still of that opinion. But when the police decide to enforce things that aren't laws, when Governor Cuomo says your restaurant is done, when Newsom says your restaurant is done and the cops just come out and go, we don't care if it's the law or not. We're just going to oppress and suppress your rights. Well, then those cops are criminals and oath breakers. I'll put it this way. Just because the governor says you can't have your restaurant open doesn't mean you can't have your restaurant open. Or more importantly, when the governor says you can't go to church, yeah, he literally can't do that. He has no authority to do it, none whatsoever. And the Supreme Court has already said that. So if a cop shows up and says you can't do it because the governor said it's basically like a criminal threatening you and then some random person with a gun showing up and enforcing that threat not law enforcement. And it's funny to see many Trump supporters saying the same thing, calling out these cops who are enforcing these edicts, saying they're not enforcing the law because these aren't laws. And that's what we saw in Staten Island. So maybe I'll tell you what's going to happen. You call it a civil war, you call it a decoupling, whatever you want to call it. There's going to be a a, a loss of confidence in the federal government. And it's already happening. It's been happening. I don't know if that means there will be states fighting states, but it could just be, you know, West Virginia being like, we don't care what law you pass anymore. It doesn't impact us. It doesn't affect us. And we're not going to abide by it. Since we have sanctuary states and we have many counties declaring themselves Second Amendment sanctuaries, federal government's authority is as far as most people are concerned. So I'll tell you what's going to happen. When the red states slowly stop caring about what happens in blue states because they're going to take care of themselves, the police in these blue states are going to have no one to support them. And they're just going to become enemies of everybody because the city folk hate the cops already. And the Republicans who basically don't live in these cities are probably going to be like, I don't care. You go do your thing. You pass these laws you want them, they're yours. I'm not defending you. And that's that's what I think is coming in the next several months. Of course, I'm not psychic. We'll see how it plays out. It's always possible that people calm down, but I really don't see it. You know why? After Trump got elected the first time, a bunch of uh, uh, far leftists went around D.C. burning and torching things. It's only worse now. It's only escalated. So why would things just stop here? There's no there's no reason for it to, especially after we see what's happening with the Proud Boys marching through the streets. So, you know, look, I'll, I'll leave it there. But I do want to say one last thing. You know, I, a lot of people say, Tim, why is a Daily Mail so much? Well, I can tell you. Take a look at how long this article is. It's got 42 photographs. 
It goes all the way down. It talks about Alex Jones and Michael Flynn. Look how long this is. Isn't this huge? All these photos. It's a very, very long and um, in-depth article. When I originally went to ABC News, it's only a couple hundred words. When I went to The Hill, The Hill is only a couple hundred words. And so then I ultimately went back to the Daily Mail where they have several thousand words and 42 photos. That's just basically the simple explanation. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Recently on an episode of the TimCast IRL podcast, which you can find over at youtube.com slash TimCast IRL, we hosted Hotep Jesus. And I asked him, I said, look, we rag on Democrats all the time, right? But we're not Republicans, right? So what do you think about the Republican Party? And he said to me something to the effect of, I'm not sure the Republican Party is doing anything that like makes me you know, get active, essentially. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but the general idea that I agreed with was, what does the Republican Party even do? One example brought up the other day on the IRL podcast as well by Michael Malice was that the Democrats put forward a, a mandate with, with health insurance. Barack Obama said, you are legally obligated to get health insurance or pay a fine. Where are the Republicans or the right to say, okay, you are legally obligated to buy a gun or pay a fine? That doesn't exist. It's always framed to the left. Hence, the Republicans just don't mean much to me because they don't do much of anything. They kind of just get slowly dragged to the left over time. Right now, it would seem that Trump supporters and many regular people who used to be Democrats are about to stage a revolt. You see, not that long ago, we heard Lynn, Lynn Wood, a lawyer supporting Trump and Sidney Powell, basically said, don't vote in the Georgia Republican runoff races because the Republican Party isn't supporting Trump. Now, many Republicans said, that's crazy. We must keep the Senate. But then we saw this Trump rally the other day in D.C. MAGA protesters chant, destroy the GOP at pro-Trump rally. A motley crew of pro-Trump figures was in attendance including conspiracy theorist Alex Jones and Trump's disgraced former national security advisor Michael Flynn. Well, depending on who you ask, they wouldn't say uh, disgraced about Michael Flynn. They would say heroic. But that's kind of the point with the uh, um, factionalizing of this country. But at this rally, there are a few posts from Ford Fisher showing Nick Fuentes, who is I, I guess he's the, he, he runs America first or something to that effect. I'm not super familiar with Nick. I, I know a bit about him. But he made a bunch of really interesting points when he stood up and he started bullhorning and he asked, does the Republican Party represent you? And the people said no. He went on to basically say, what has the Republican Party done to actually represent your views? Nothing. So why should they take the Senate? Who cares? He basically said, Democrat or Republican, the policies stay the same. And do you think people like Murkowski are going to stop the Democrats from packing the Supreme Court? Nobody agreed. Trump supporters are not Republicans. They've not been Republicans. Anybody who's been paying attention could tell you this. So it's really annoying when I'm trying to talk to like some normies and they'll be like the Republican Party. And I'll be like, Trump supporters aren't the Republican Party. Donald Trump is not the Republican Party. It's like calling Bernie Sanders the Democratic Party. Not really. The far left insurgents certainly coming in, similar to the right wing populists coming into the Republican Party. The difference, Bernie Sanders bowed down and suckled the teat of the establishment and Donald Trump went, no, no, I'm the president. And he did whatever he wanted and they tried to stop him and they may have. We'll see how things play out, but it looks like they did.
Trump supporters don't use the elephant as their symbol. They use a lion. Interestingly, I was just talking to a progressive and she was telling me that the progressives use the lion as well. They don't care for the, the donkey or whatever. Trump supporters are not Republicans. And I was warning about this to Republicans. I said, I don't think the Republicans are going to win the Senate because Trump supporters don't turn out for Republicans. They turn out for Trump and, it, and, and to their own detriment. In 2018, one of the biggest reasons the Democrats were able to take control of the House was, according to the New York Times, whether you trust them or not, they said people who came out to vote were not the same people who came out to vote for Trump two years earlier, meaning the Republicans needed a huge boost. But the only reason Trump won is because Trump voters came out for Trump. Trump and Hillary Clinton were both historically disliked politicians among regular people. That's true. But Trump squeaked by in a couple states, giving him that victory. Trump has been able to really inspire a lot of people over the past couple of years, going from 60, I think he had 62 million to 74, 12 million more vote, more votes. Somehow Joe Biden, <laughs> greatest president ever, I guess, but whatever, I digress. Donald Trump really did inspire people to come out and vote for him. Many of the people who came out to vote for him, they're independent. They're not uh, Republicans, they're not Democrats. I mean, I didn't vote for either party. I don't care for either party, but I voted for Trump because Trump's not a Republican, because Trump's pushing forward something quite different. And he's actually rather moderate. He's got a bit of a potty mouth, but, you know, look, he's a populist. He's just not, they call him far right. He's not really, I don't think Trump would give the America First group exactly what they want either, because many libertarians especially have criticized Trump as a weird quasi-globalist, but still nationalist, not perfect. I think the reality is Trump was just a populist in general trying to please everyone he can. And when he realized the far left was just, you know, marching lockstep with the media, he just said, forget all of them, whatever, I'll take what I can get. Well, here's what I think is going to happen. Without Trump on the ticket in Georgia, Trump supporters don't go out because they don't care. The Democrats take the two seats because they're fervent. And then the Democrats control everything. But guess what? There are Trump supporters who believe that's a good thing. You know why? It's called accelerationism. They think just let them do it. So you'll finally force regular people to wake up to the destruction they will bring. And if they elect Republicans, all that'll happen is they'll slightly slow it down. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I don't care for the Republican Party. And I'll tell you something. When I went and voted, I didn't vote for the Republicans down ticket. I went to vote for Trump because, well, Trump uh, banned critical race theory. He was going to stop the riots and the far left extremism, and he was doing right by the economy, and he was trying to pull our troops out of the Middle East. So I said, I'll take what I can get better than a Biden administration. But I did vote Republican down ballot. I'm vaguely familiar with the Republicans that I, that I voted for and is a coin toss for me. The problem with uh, voting down ticket just Republican without actually being that you know knowledgeable about these individuals is that you end up voting for people who might be bad. That's true. My fear, though, is after watching what happened in the midterms, the Democrats don't care about policy. Policy is meaningless. They said, you know, these moderate Democrats were like, we're going to we're going to vote on kitchen table issues and bring you good health care reform. And I'm like, that sounds great. And then what did they do? Impeach. What a waste of time. Many of them actually lost their seats and some safe Democrat seats actually flipped as well. Republicans turned things around. But it was Trump on the ticket that did that. Without Trump on the Georgia ticket, why would anybody vote for why, why are people going to go out? 
traditional Republicans, maybe. And they're going to say, we don't like Trump so good, we're glad. And then maybe that's why Joe Biden won. You got to understand there are a bunch of like regular old normie Republicans who don't understand anything about the culture war. But that culture war is significant because it netted Trump millions, 12 million more votes. Here's a story from the Rolling Stone. I got another story. Check this out. Faith shaken in the system. Trump's Georgia supporters consider skipping U.S. Senate runoff race. And this is from last week, but it goes in line with what we're seeing here from this rally. Rolling Stone says protesters, mostly maskless, gathered in D.C. from across the country this weekend to show their support for Trump and express their refusal to accept the 2020 election results. At one point, the crowd, the crowd chanted destroy the GOP to express their anger with the party for failing to keep Trump in the White House. The rally was held just one day after the Supreme Court delivered a likely fatal blow to Trump's hopes of remaining in power. Now, I'm going to stop right there. They keep saying over and over again, this is it. Trump is done. They said that on the 7th. They said it a couple days later. Like every, other, every time a suit gets thrown out. OK, Trump's refiling as the plaintiff, like basically the same case, which has already got tons of support from Republicans. He has lost in Georgia and Wisconsin now. So, yes, I've never believed Trump was going to be able to pull this off, but it's not over on January 6th, a bunch of Republicans could object and we'll see what happens. But I really do think Joe Biden is going to be the victor. I do think Democrats are going to win in Georgia, but I really don't think that matters either. You know why? Confidence is being broken. These individuals who are standing up and bullhorning, saying the Republican Party and the Democrats don't represent us, don't care what these parties say. And as, this, as, as the lockdowns get worse and worse and people lose access to everything they know and love, their lives are being destroyed. They're not going to care anymore. They're going to be detached from everything. When you've got something to lose, you don't stand up and fight because you're worried about losing something. Not everybody. The founding fathers of this nation sacrificed so much. There's a famous uh, photo that people share of a, uh, it looks like a, a gravestone of some sort, but it's a, a plaque, I believe, that says of the 56 signers, you know, nine lost their lives, 12 lost all of their property, their homes were torched, their children were killed. They stood up and said, I will give everything for freedom. Well, in this country, <laughs> a couple hundred years pass, and now most people don't feel that way. But the truth is, most people didn't feel that way back then either. Most people, the law, or I should say the plurality was, leave me alone. Then there was a smaller plurality, a smaller grouping of let's have revolution, and then a smaller of no revolution. So the revolution types won. The people right now in this country Look, they got houses, they got kids, they got got to get them food. And they're like, I'm not going to risk my life, my property and my, you know, guarantees as a citizen for some political cause. I'll sit back and just let whatever happens happen so long as you leave me alone. But then something changed with covid. You lost your rights as a citizen, your, your protections. Now they're violating your, your constitutional rights. And they already were for a long time. Now your property is being taken away. Your businesses are failing and that threatens your life. So people now, and that, that was from my other segment the other day where I talked about Ulysses S. Grant, famous quote, where he said, those are the things you risk in a revolution. You've made the choice for these people. Confidence is shattered. The government provides for nothing. They're not giving anyone a stimulus, but they're destroying the economy. And many on the right don't care for the stimulus either, because that's not a solution to the problem. It's a bandaid over the problem that they created. At which point, uh, I think you're going to see a lot of people just say, I don't care who's in office. You don't represent me which is exactly what they're saying. So why then would they abide by any of any of the laws that are set, set you know, being set down? 
We've already seen several counties, you know, enact Second Amendment sanctuaries. California says they're a sanctuary against, you know, illegal immigration. If the states are telling the federal government you can't do anything and the cities are saying the same thing, the federal government is becoming weak. And eventually you will get right wing individuals who will hear a law from Joe Biden and say, I don't care. You're not the president. What happens when 74 million people say Trump is the president? We don't care what you think in the mainstream media. And then Trump sets up a winter White House at Mar-a-Lago. And then you have people who believe Trump and people who believe Biden. I'm not saying it's entirely possible. I'm just saying Trump could is Trump is still the leader of this. Rolling Stone goes on to say, according to The Washington Post, thousands of protesters were in the D.C. streets for the Stop the Steal event on Saturday. A motley crew of pro-Trump figures was in attendance, including conspiracy. There's Alex Jones. We read all that stuff. We get it. In his speech, Flynn tried desperately to keep hope alive that the president would somehow manage to overturn the democratically elected president, Joe Biden, despite the fact that thus far every one of his attempts have been thwarted. The speech was Flynn's first public remarks since Trump pardoned him. Don't get bent out of shape. There are still avenues, Flynn said. We're fighting with faith and we're fighting with courage. The courts aren't going to decide who the next president of the United States is going to be. We, the people, decide. Flynn's sister also attended and gave a hilarious rendition of God Bless America by forgetting the song's basic lyrics. Well, yikes. Even minor MAGA celebrity Mike Lindell, the MyPillow guy, tried to inject hope into the crowd. Last night at about two in the morning, I got a text from Sidney Powell's team. And the Texas lawsuit rejected by the Supreme Court had nothing to do with what she's working hard on. And she filed her lawsuits with the Supreme Court of Georgia, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Arizona. I have seen it. The fraud is 100%. And then Mike Lindell goes on to say things that if I repeat, YouTube will ban me, even though I'm just reporting a quote. I'm not playing games. YouTube is insane. It's true. They say Jones delivered a less hopeful message saying the system is publicly stealing. It's it, Yeah, OK, I can't read what Jones said either. Isn't that isn't that insane? I, trust me, it's infuriating. Now, they're going to mention that Enrique Tarrio trolled the audience or trolled the media. Yeah, 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 we get it. But I'm more concerned about what happens in Georgia. It's not just about whether or not people feel that the Republicans don't represent them, but that people pe- people feel the system is broken. Listen, in 2016, I did not vote because the system is broken. That's how I felt then. That's how I feel now. And it's how I've always felt. The only reason I voted now is because I was like, wow, Trump actually won. I guess the system wasn't as broken as I thought. I think the system is broken in a million different ways, politically, figuratively, and literally, whatever. It's completely broken. There, there's no one in uh, political office who actually represents me. They don't. Trump was a populist, though. And Trump represented a bunch of ideas that a lot of people liked, and he did represent people more than anyone's seen in a really long time. Joe Biden represents no one. Come on, what's Joe Biden's story? He uses the power of political office to enrich his family and plagiarizes everybody. He's the worst scum we've ever seen. He is criminal, corrupt, and he has nothing but contempt for the American people. He is disgusting. Now, he's not as bad as Hillary Clinton because she's more, I guess, malevolent. But Joe Biden's pretty awful. Donald Trump is awful in a lot of ways. Oh, absolutely. But Donald Trump was trying as hard as possible to please the American people. Granted, I think he could have done a better job of letting the far left's insanity roll, you know, you know, brush it off. And then he could have actually tried to fight for more Americans. He was fairly divisive in a lot of ways. But for the first time, a lot of people felt that he was actually speaking to them and saying he was going to help them out. And that's true. The economy was doing great. He wasn't selling us out to China or anything like that. Well, a lot of people now in Georgia 
are back to believing the system is broken and rigged. So why bother voting? I agree. I'm not going to go out and vote in any local elections. I mean, it's a runoff. So the next election is going to be in a couple of years, but I'm not I'm probably not going to vote for anybody. I think Tulsi Gabbard's doing a great job. She's not running. She, she didn't run for a reelection uh, in Congress, and she's passing some bills which are fairly moderate and reasonable. And the far left is screeching their heads off. But uh, it's because she's principled and she's doing the right thing. Rand Paul is also pretty cool. Those are two people I'd probably vote for. A couple others. Thomas Massey seems pretty cool. Um, maybe Matt Gates. Matt's a little uh, a little tribalist, but I, th- I think he's way more populist and he voted to bring our troops out of the Middle East. So I think definitely for sure there, there's a handful of politicians I, 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 I actually think are doing a good job. But the Republican Party, I don't I, I don't I don't care. So th- I'll, I'll put it this way. Right. They, they mention. Uh, let me read you the first paragraph of the story from uh, AJC. Amy no- Nobile, uh, Nobile is a former Democrat who saw the light and became a diehard Donald Trump supporter. She attends conservative rallies, promotes Republicans' causes to friends. She uh, uh, snaps on Joe Biden and Democrats on social media. In short, she fits the profile of the type of Georgia voter that the U.S. Senator Kellyanne Loeffler and Purdue would normally consider a lock to return to the polls for January 5th. But this isn't a normal election. The Milton sales executive is among a vocal group of Trump loyalists in Georgia who believe the president's, uh, they, they believe the vote is rigged. And although she abhors the thought of Democratic victories, she says she's genuinely conflicted about voting in the January runoffs. How am I supposed to vote? I don't have the answer and I'm frustrated. She said, ticking through the options she is not confident are secure. Even if people do vote, does it count? I don't even care about any of that. Loeffler and Purdue don't represent me. I'm not a Republican and I've never been. So the people that Trump convinced to vote for him aren't voting Republican. Okay, I voted Republican in this past election. The first time I've ever. Well, look, to be honest, I don't want to make it seem like more grandiose than it is. I voted for one president one time, Barack Obama. Never cared for any of this stuff. Thought it was all stupid. I voted for Barack Obama the first time. I voted for Donald Trump the second time. And I voted for the Republicans down ticket. And I don't care for the Republicans. And I'm not going to get out in the midterms and go vote for them. It's just not going to happen. I am that left-leaning independent, former Democrat voter just once. I'm not playing stupid games about like walking away. I was always fairly independent. But I'm not coming back for the Republicans. I don't like Loeffler. No, no, no disrespect to her as a person, but I don't see how she represents me or why she's even running. My understanding is that she was just appointed anyway, and she's trying to win the seat back. I don't care. <laughs> I really don't. And Purdue... Don't know much about. I'm not from Georgia. So you know what? For the most part, it doesn't really matter what I think, does it? I'm not from Georgia. But I can tell you where I do live. I don't care to vote for any of these people, Democrat or Republican. It just doesn't doesn't mean anything to me. When the Republicans get in, when the Republicans get in, what do they do? They sit on their hands and they go, oh, what's that? The Democrats are doing stuff again. Oh, those Democrats. Anyway, uh, back to going, twiddle my thumbs. Over on the left, the Democrats are basically doing the same thing. The establishment is just trying to keep the, you know, these politicians want to keep the keys of the castle to enrich themselves, their friends, their family, and give you the middle finger. So why would I bother voting for any of them? I don't, I don't care. I do think it is uh, going to be apocalyptic if the Democrats take control of uh, all three branches. I think one of the better things that could happen is if the Republicans do keep the Senate, just because it would slow things down. And hopefully that would buy us time to simmer things down. Something I've said before. But in the end, I really just don't care. Um, because I don't think it's going to change at all. I think the Democrats are corrupt. 
We have a new report coming out of uh, Politico showing the Democrats meddled and interfered and effectively cheated in Iowa to screw with the caucus to steal it from Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is pathetic and just drops to his knees and licks the boots of the establishment. That's not someone I'm going to vote for. Donald Trump, he went, he went, he snapped on these people. So I voted for him. I'd like a populist to win. I wouldn't mind a a Bernie Sanders presidency. I know he's a bit of a socialist. I don't agree with him, but at least give me politicians who actually are trying to, to, to move things in a positive direction for Americans. I believed at one point Bernie would. At this point, the reason I would not respect a Bernie Sanders presidency is that he's pathetic. He's weak. He's spineless. He's one of the most ineffectual and pathetic politicians we have ever seen. And it makes me laugh when he got cheated and the and these leftists still support him. It's like he got cheated. He bends the knee and just kisses the boots. Why are you backing this guy? He's going to sell you out in two seconds. More importantly, there's a viral meme going around where they took a tweet from Bernie Sanders calling for $2,000 a month or whatever to the American people during the stimulus. And someone changed it so that it was a tweet from Trump and posted it to r slash Donald Trump on Reddit. And they upvoted it. And they were like, look at this. We put a Bernie Pollock, Bernie tweet, and they're all voting and thinking it's Trump. Uh, yeah. When Trump supporters and Bernie supporters agree on helping the working class people of this country. But you, Bernie supporters, are the ones who licked Joe Biden's feet. Do you ever stop and ask yourself, are we the baddies or do you just guzzle down the propaganda about orange man bad? I tell you, you got your choice between two populists. One who's got a mouth like uh, he's got a mouth, Donald Trump, but at least he does. And at least he'll fight for you fight, fight for ending these wars, not perfectly in the first, you know, in his first couple of years. And that's why I was heavily critical of him. But but in this election, definitely. What do we get from Bernie Sanders? Oh, come on, Bernie. It's so sad how for decades you fought for what you believed in. And then the moment the establishment cracked open the door for you to squeeze inside to stop messing with their party, you said, thanks for letting me in. Now the millionaires are all good. You say the millionaires and the billionaires in this country. Now he just says the billionaires. Oh, the billionaires. Shut up. There's a small handful relative to the millionaires of which there are like tens of thousands. And if you have $900 million, you can certainly affect the outcome of an election on par with what a billionaire does. But Bernie Sanders became a millionaire and doesn't seem to understand the difference between someone who's worth worth about a million bucks like he is and somebody worth $900 million. So thanks for dropping the millionaires, you spineless, ineffectual politician. I supported him. Why? Because Bernie Sanders showed conviction. In 2015, you could look back at how he fought for the same thing over and over again, unwavering. Not particularly successful across the board, but neither is Nancy Pelosi. Now, where is he? Suckling the tea to the establishment. Pathetic. Donald Trump said no to them. And without Donald Trump running, I don't see why anyone's going to be bothered to vote for Republicans. Because you know what? I wouldn't be. So why would they? Now, I don't know about all that accelerationism stuff. I think slowing things down and letting us just remain calm and live our lives like normal is probably the better approach. But people are ready to explode. And I don't blame them. We'll see. We'll, we'll see how they how they react. Come, uh, I believe it's January fifth. It's coming up. I think early voting's already started. The polls, probably wrong, are favoring the Democrats. And if they're historically wrong, like we saw across the country, then Republicans are probably going to win. 
But I'm not convinced because Trump supporters are saying no on purpose. They want to sacrifice the Senate kind of to punish the Republicans. Maybe the Republicans deserve it. Most of these politicians, Democrat and Republican alike, are just awful anyway, and they don't do anything. So they've uh, they've made their own beds. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. on a different YouTube channel. Just go to your address bar and type in youtube.com slash TimCast. And when you press enter, you'll be immediately transported to a totally different YouTube channel. Isn't that crazy? Smash that like button, subscribe, notification bell, and I will see you all at 4 over at youtube.com slash TimCast. Over the past month or so, we have heard over and over again that this is it. Trump has finally lost. November 7th, the mainstream media calls it for Joe Biden. People dance in the street. They say, face it, Trump, it's over. Trump files lawsuits. Supporters of the president file lawsuits. Some states file lawsuits. Republicans file lawsuits. And one by one, many of these uh, lawsuits begin to fail. And each and every time they say, this is it. Now it's finally over. Trump, you've lost. Then, the, then December 8th comes around, the safe harbor deadline. And then even YouTube says, face it, you lost. The left is cheering, saying, how many times is Trump going to lose? Apparently zero, because if you keep saying this is it, but then entertaining the possibility he could still win, he hasn't lost at all. He's just fighting. It's not going very well for him. But Trump still has avenues in which he can become president. And that's just not that, that's not my opinion. OK, it's the New York Times which I thought was really funny when they write Trump allies, I long shot election reversal in Congress testing Pence. They say on January 6th, they could actually flip this to Trump. Something I alluded to when the Supreme Court came down and said they will not take up Texas's suit. Well, Trump has refiled. Trump allies and supporters and lawyers have refiled and there's still many cases pending. But tomorrow, Monday, December 14th is the day the Electoral College will cast their votes. But January 6th is the day those votes will be counted. There is still there. There are still two paths for Trump to win. And he could. So say at the New York Times, if Republicans file an objection, if someone in the House and the Senate file an objection, then it could theoretically toss out some electoral votes and ultimately help Donald Trump win. If it if Joe Biden doesn't get to 270 contingent election, as most of you are probably aware by now, House delegations vote. But that would require the House and the Senate to vote and agree. It's not going to happen. Democrats control the House. Republicans control the Senate. So there won't be any agreement. Now, if something happens and for some reason in the, in the next, I don't know, 18 or so hours, Republicans in certain swing states send dueling electors, then they get thrown out. But that's so that's possible, but not really you know, within the confines of the constitutional process, like it could happen. But what I mean to say in, t- in terms of Trump's two paths, the most important one that The New York Times is bringing up is that Mike Pence, as uh, the vice president, is the one who will be counting the actual votes. And it's possible that he just doesn't. And he ultimately ends up supporting Donald Trump and himself. And it's sort of happened before, but not in a way that's actually gotten the vice president the victory. The New York Times mentions Richard Nixon, you know, hurt JFK's vote total, but not enough to actually give him the win. What if Mike Pence is just like, y'all, screw it, I won? Maybe. But that's kind of ridiculous as well. Republicans are planning a long shot victory. Giuliani says it's not over. And now there's conflict arising because 126 Republicans have signed on to the Texas lawsuit. Now, it was rejected by the Supreme Court. 
But it's essentially being readmitted with Trump and and I, I believe others withstanding. So it may actually go to the Supreme Court. I kind of don't think so, but we'll see. One New Jersey lawmaker is calling on Pelosi to bar these 126 Republicans, which includes the minority leader in the House. So things are breaking down and getting mad spicy. I got no idea what's going to happen, but my prediction is Joe Biden becomes president. But it seems like it won't really matter, as I often say, because the Republicans call them Republicans. I guess the Trump supporters just don't view it as legitimate. So I no matter what happens, I don't think anyone cares if come January 20th, they inaugurate Joe Biden. Trump's just going to say he's still president, I guess. Maybe Twitter will then ban him. Trump supporters will get angry, maybe become marginalized, and that could effectively end things. I just don't know. But let's read what the New York Times says, because listen, I don't like these. Here's how they still win stories. They can still pull it off. But the New York Times brought this up. I think it's important to cover it. If the New York Times is telling the country it might happen. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you would like to support my work. Got many ways you can give. There's a P.O. box. You want to send me some stuff. But the best thing you can do is share this video. Help support the channel. YouTube probably doesn't like what I do. I don't know. And I guess probably a bunch of people on the left probably wouldn't either. But if you think I'm doing a good job, rational, reasonable, and giving you and providing good information, then please consider sharing this to help support the channel while YouTube certainly does the opposite. But don't forget to like, subscribe, hit that notification bell. Let's read from the New York Times. They say, some House Republicans plan to try to use Congress's tallying of electoral results on January 6th to tip the election of President Trump. The attempt will put Republicans in a pinch. Let me let me, let me pause for a second. I just did a segment on my other channel, Timcast News, where I talked about the Republicans are doomed. If they don't have Trump, they do not have Trump supporters. So it's within the best interest of all of these Republicans to just play ball with Trump. Otherwise, they're done. That's probably why so many signed on and they know it. It's a rock in a hard place, I guess. But you're either with Trump or you're out. And it's not because Trump is forcing you to be. It's because Trump supporters won't vote for you because they don't like Republicans. And that's always been the case. The New York Times says, President Trump lost key swing states by clear margins. His barrage of lawsuits claiming widespread voting fraud has been almost universally dismissed, most recently by the Supreme Court. Well, that was Texas, not necessarily Trump's, but Trump did file to intervene. And on Monday, the Electoral College will formally cast a majority of its votes for President-elect Joe Biden Jr. But as the president continues to refuse to concede, a small group of his most loyal backers in Congress is plotting a final stage challenge on the floor of the House of Representatives in early January to try to reverse Mr. Biden's victory. Constitutional scholars and even members of the president's own party say the effort is all but certain to fail. But the looming battle on January 6th is likely to culminate in a messy and deeply divisive spectacle that could thrust Vice President Mike Pence into the excruciating position of having to declare once and for all that Mr. Trump has indeed lost the election. The fight promises to shape how Mr. Trump's base views the election for years to come and to pose in another awkward test of allegiance for Republicans who have privately hoped that the Electoral College vote this week will be the final word on the election results. For the vice president whom the Constitution assigns the task of tallying the results and declaring a winner, the episode could be particularly torturous, forcing him to balance his loyalty to Mr. Trump with his constitutional duties and considerations about his own political future. The issue at play. Trump supporters, not Republicans. The Republican Party is in trouble. 
If Mike Pence says, I'm just going to play ball and say Joe Biden won, the Republicans got nothing moving forward. That's it. If these people put their personal careers or if they really do believe in Trump, if they put that ahead of everything else, then they can throw things for Trump. Mike Pence could just be like, I refuse to count these. And here's the real results and challenge. And there's lawsuits. The Supreme Court could say, you you can't do this. What are you doing? I don't know how it would ultimately play out. But Mike Pence, he's a human and the system is comprised of people. So crazy things could happen. The the, The challenge now for many of these Republicans is, do you lose your career or do you stand up and fight back and hopefully win? Because if they don't, Trump supporters will not support them. New York Times says the effort is led by Representative Mo Brooks, a Republican from Alabama. Along with a group of allies in the House, he is eyeing challenges to the election results in five states, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Nevada, Georgia, and Wisconsin, where they claim varying degrees of fraud or illegal voting took place despite certification by the voting authorities and no evidence of widespread impropriety. Quote, we have a superior role under the Constitution than the Supreme Court does, than any federal court judge does, than any state court judge does. Mr. Brooks said in an interview, what we say goes, that's the final verdict under rules laid out in the Constitution and the Electoral College. I'm sorry. And the Electoral Count Act of 1887, their challenges must be submitted in writing with a senator's signature also affixed. No Republican senator has yet stepped forward to say he or she will back such an effort, though a handful of reliable allies of Mr. Trump, including senators Ron Johnson and Rand Paul, have signaled they would be open to doing so. The president has praised Mr. Brooks on Twitter, but has thus far taken no evident interest in the strategy. Aides say he has been more focused on battling to overturn the results in court. Perhaps what I'm actually reading you from The New York Times is not some Trump supporters desperate plea to claim they can still win. But The New York Times trying to squeeze every last drop out of the Trump bump. It's no secret media outlets have made tons of money off of Donald Trump and the Trump movement and Trump supporters. And now that everyone basically believes that Trump is on the way out, at least as, as, as it pertains to, you know, the, the constitutional process, well, they need to get every last penny, every last subscriber they can. So keeping Trump on as the boogeyman is in the best interest of the New York Times, kind of more so than the Trump supporters themselves. Trump supporters will find a way to get by. They'll fight for what they believe in. But the New York Times, they won't survive. I mean, okay, the New York Times probably will because they're playing tribalism outside of Trump. But they really need this money. News organizations were suffering and collapsing before Trump came along. So they're going to try and milk the Trump thing forever. I wouldn't be surprised if if it's like March 30th and they're like, Trump still battles with a path to becoming president. If Joe Biden is found to be in content, blah, blah, blah. I'd be more surprised that or I would be less surprised if media outlets were the ones who keep pushing this well after Trump is gone. The New York Times says, even if a senator did agree, constitutional scholars say the process is intended to be an arduous one. Once an objection is heard from a member of each House of Congress, senators and representatives will retreat to their chambers on opposite sides of the Capitol for two for a two hour debate and then a vote on whether to disqualify a state's votes. Both a Democratic-controlled House and Republican-controlled Senate would have to agree to toss out a state's electoral votes, something that has not happened since the 19th century. Several Senate Republicans, including Patrick Patrick J. Toomey of Pennsylvania, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, and Mitt Romney, have forcefully rejected the idea of overturning the results 
and their votes would be enough for Biden to prevail. Quote, the January 6th meeting is going to confirm that regardless of how many objections get filed and who signs on, they are not going to affect the outcome of this process, said Edward B. Foley, a constitutional law professor at Ohio State University who has written extensively on the electoral process. We can say that with clear confidence. No, you can't. You're wrong. If several objections are filed, if 64% of the Republican House members have agreed with Trump on overturning this election, agree with Texas, then I tell you what happens. People just have no confidence. Perhaps they bring up a vote of no confidence, or perhaps a large portion of Republican states say, we will not abide by the words of Joe Biden because he's illegitimate. They could do that because these are humans, not computer programs locked into this. Do the Republicans have the political willpower? No, that's why I don't think anything's going to happen. You know what they want to happen? The Republicans want to go, oh, we, we tried so hard. Oh, no. Oh, oh, geez. Joe Biden won. Oh, too bad. Bye, Trump. They hate him. But there are Trump supporters and there are anti-establishment players who are still in Congress and still in, in, in government who might help Trump to some degree. But the chances that he wins, it's just all, 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 the entire step of the way. You know, it's just been very, very difficult, astronomical, to say the least. They go on to say he noted the session could still carry consequences for the next few years. If even one Republican senator backed the effort, it could ensure the partisan cloud hanging over the election would darken Mr. Biden's presidency for years to come. If none did, it could send a definitive message to the country. Despite Mr. Trump's bluster, the party trusted the results of the election uh, electoral process and was finally ready to recognize Mr. Biden as the rightful winner. Mr. Brooks is far from the first lawmaker to try and use a tallying process to challenge the results. Democrats made attempts in 01, 05, and even 2017, but they were essentially acts of protest after the party's nominee had already accepted defeat. What is different now is that Trump is not accepting defeat. They say Trump's historic defiance of democratic norms and his party's willing acquiescence. If Trump were to bless the effort to challenge the congressional tally, he could force Republicans into a difficult decision about whether to support an assault on the election results that is essentially doomed or risk his ire. Many Republicans are already fearful of being punished by voters for failing to keep up his fight. That is absolutely correct. Now, the New York Times mentions that Mike Pence wants to be president, but he could be scared that he wouldn't be able to run without support from Trump supporters. And if he doesn't back Trump, well, then he's not running for anything. Quote, the role of the role the VP plays in the transition is something that people have never focused on and never think about. But Donald Trump, you, you now have to consider all the possibilities that Gregory B. Craig, Gregory B. Craig, a White House counsel under Obama in 1961, Richard Nixon, who had just lost the election, oversaw the vote tabulation and had to decide whether to recognize competing electors from the new state of Hawaii. Nixon ultimately made a decision that hurt his vote total but had no effect on the final result that John F. Kennedy had already won. So, so correction, I, I had backwards. It sounds like Nixon hurt his own vote total. 40 years later, after the 2000 election, Al Gore had to reject objections from his fellow Democrats and certify the victory of George Bush, who had won the state of Florida after the Supreme Court ordered a recount ended in that state. I'll tell you what I think is going to happen. Mike Pence is not going to throw everything out the window. He's going to say, look, even if I challenged these tabulations, it's just not going to happen. OK, perhaps there will be objections. Perhaps several states will be on the line. And perhaps Mike Pence will say, this is war. Looks like we've won. And then what does it matter? So I'm, I'm curious as to why any of this matters at this point anyway. 
If confidence is being shaken on both sides as to who's really the legitimate president, if they said Trump was illegitimate, now they're saying Joe, now the right is saying Joe Biden is not legitimate, then why would anyone care? Why would a law enforcement officer decide to act at the behest of either candidate? There's no real way of knowing. And I'll tell you what the real scary thing that might happen is. Mike Pence gets the objections and says, due to objections from a large enough amount of electors, I cannot accurately tabulate and I cannot tell you who've won, who's won. And perhaps then it goes to a delegation vote and then nobody knows. That's the nightmare scenario right now. Let's say it comes down to the FBI. They'll probably side with the Democrats, to be honest. Let's say it comes down to a, a, you know, other federal agencies. They might be like, unless we know for sure and we and we don't, what are we supposed to, who, who do we take orders from? What happens if come January 5th, two cars speed towards the, you know, Capitol Police or FPS, two men jump out, run up to the cop and say, arrest that man while pointing at each other. That's it. That's an extreme scenario that I don't seem see at all likely. But the point I'm trying to make is if it comes down to it and Pence just says, I don't know, then who does what? Why would anyone take orders from either Biden or Trump? It's all a matter of confidence. Well, then the media said Biden won. So I think a lot of people might just say Biden. But I don't know about you, but I saw that Army Navy game where Trump walked out and they all stood up and cheered and and screamed and clapped for Donald J. Trump. I just think I think if it came down to an actual conflict and Trump said that he was going to invoke some emergency powers or put a stop to this or or evidence got released that, say, China had infiltrated, let's say leaked documents came out showing the Chinese Communist Party has infiltrated, you know, key positions around the around the globe, including major U.S. corporations. And maybe Trump says because of this and then here's evidence they cheated and he actually proves it in public. Maybe he just says it and shows a document and the executive branch believes him. The the leaked Chinese thing, by the way, that's real. That just happened. If Trump says he is still the president and he still won, media tries to silence him. But if the military leaders, not necessarily the highest, the top of the top, but enough of the, you know, higher ranking officials trust Trump won more than anyone else, they would just take his word. What if the Secret Service, what are the police? It's all about humans. It's all about confidence. If law enforcement agencies say Trump did, the left will claim it's a coup. The right will claim it's a coup. Both already are. And then when it comes down to who stays in office, Trump could say, I won and I'm not leaving. And he might actually have large swaths, if not maybe even the majority of the military and law enforcement agreeing with him because they tend to be conservative. And you may have many on the left in the media saying it's not true. But why would any of these military personnel be like what the media says goes? Granted, the intelligence agencies are certainly on the Democrat side. There's a split, man. And it's really going to come down to it. It it might get it might get freaky more than you realize, because I've witnessed this stuff in real life. I've been I've been in places where things like this were happening, where no one knows who to take orders from. And that's when things get scary. What would happen if, say, on January 19th, Donald Trump instructed some National Guardsman, some federal agent to arrest Joe Biden? Would they do it? They probably wouldn't, right? But what if Trump does it now? A lot could happen between now. It's over a month out. 
Let's say a story drops like the one we just saw about China have you know these leaked documents showing the Communist Party has infiltrated everything. What happens if Mike Pompeo, who already told us, what happens if he, he says some you know to a law enforcement guy, you have to do this, you have to, it's for America. Who do they trust? It's almost kind of like you ever see those movies where there's like an evil twin and like there's like a guy and like a clone, and the person's like, I don't know which one's the real you. It's like, ah, oh, what do we do? It's like Joe Biden and Trump, and you're saying arrest that man. I'm not trying to be exaggerating or, or hyperbolic or anything like this, but that's the potential the New York Times brings up if vi- the vice president refuses or rejects or, or accepts a challenge. I'll put it this way. Let's say there's an objection to some electoral votes. And let's say Mike Pence just simply says, based on the objections of, you know, member so-and-so and so-and-so and the vote counts that we received, I believe we must reject the votes from these three states throws them out. And the Democrats are going to say, you can't do that. You can't do that. It goes to the Supreme Court, I guess. And the Supreme Court says, we don't want to hear it. We're not involved. We don't want to hear it. No resolution. What happens? Let me tell you something. A lot of people on the left are saying that the Texas case was thrown out, that it was rejected and Trump lost. Uh, no, that's not what happened. What happened was the Supreme Court said, we don't want to hear it. The conflict was not resolved between parties. The Supreme Court just said, we don't want to hear it. That's it. You don't have standing. Get out of here. Nothing was ruled on the merits. That's what's important. Now, legally, it isn't. But for each faction, it is. The Democrats, of course, saying, see, we won. The right saying, no, you didn't. It wasn't ruled on the merits. So now it's being refiled. What happens if it goes to Mike Pence and he says, there's currently a challenge by 20 states. Mike Pence could give a great speech. He could say, my fellow Americans, with all due respect, we are currently facing down as 64% of the Republican Party in the House has challenged the results of these elections. We have seen 20 states stand up and say, we object to this for the sake of the union. We cannot just throw out the complaints of half the country, right? Will he? Probably not. But I'll tell you, there's a there's a photo going around. Uh, Joe Biden's uh, he's got a, he's got a post on Instagram. It's from his dogs, I guess. They gave their German shepherds stuffed Trump dolls to chew upon. And Trump supporters are, you know, incensed by this. Like there's no unity. There's no support. So what if Mike Pence scared that ignoring the complaints of all these states and individuals is worse? He just says, until there's resolution in the courts, I will not count these votes. And then we just stop. Nothing happens. Who's the president? The left will claim Mike Pence is trying to just cheat for himself. The right will say he's doing the right thing and, you know, allowing the voices to be heard. There's a lot that could happen. I'll tell you what's likely to happen. What's likely to happen is that none of these people have the political will to stand up to the machine. And it's really interesting, you know, when the founding fathers created all of this, they literally just made things up. You know what I mean? Like they sat down and said, here's what we propose. They argued about it and then ultimately codified certain things. But to them, it was brand new. And the Confederate States of America, the the Articles of Confederation, it was weak. The states weren't working together. Taxes weren't being paid. So eventually they wrote a constitution that created the United States of America. And then it was the Civil War that really solidified that decision. When the country became the United States, uh, you know, people would say the United States. What's the what's the saying? I think it's from National Treasure. Before the, uh, they would say the United States are. After the Civil War, they said the United States is, meaning it was a singular nation. Maybe there is some kind of breakup or collapse, but I'll just, uh, the point I'm making is it's comprised of people. 
Mike Pence might see something. I see this. If he just counts the votes that half the country has objected to and does not deem legitimate, then he's just basically saying to half the country, I don't care what you have to say. The Supreme Court's already basically said it. No one who like Trump, they've not actually had their chance to present hard evidence. It's usually been rule, uh, you know, narrow grounds dismissed and things like that. There have been challenges to the merits for sure. And Trump has lost cases based on that. But when it comes to this massive suit, the biggest, the best one for Trump, Texas suit, they just said you don't have standing. So it's been refiled with, I believe, Trump as the plaintiff and, uh, and, and several electors, which should they should have standing. I don't know. Mike Pence could just outright be like, get out of here. But there's something else too. Take a, take a look at this story from the Daily Mail. New Jersey congressman urges Nancy Pelosi to bar 126 Republicans from the House for backing Trump's failed lawsuit, claiming they violated the Constitution by trying to install a dictator. You see where things are going? This is Bill Pascrell running in a deep blue district. I believe he was uh, running against uh, Billy Prempe was running against him. He says, bar them. You tell me maybe you say, Tim, you're crazy. None of that's ever going to happen. Maybe none of it will happen because there's no political willpower. But if this dude is was speaker, if this guy, Bill Pascrell, was the speaker of the House, he'd bar the Republicans. And what if she does? What if Nancy Pelosi says, I reject, and then these people aren't allowed to raise their objections to the vote? It'll just be illegitimacy. People will challenge all of this. And where does that leave us? It leaves us with half the country saying we know who the president is and then picking one or the other. It's only possible because this race was close. That's it. I think ultimately, at the end of all of this, you realize it's just two different countries. It, it really is. Within the U.S., there's two completely different cultures and ideologies. In one, you're allowed to bear arms and you're responsible for yourself. In the other, the government has the right to take your guns away from you and only agents of the state can have guns. These are completely disparate worldviews, pro-life versus pro-choice, socialism versus free markets. The, the, the gap in the divide is getting crazier and crazier and crazier. And it's that which I believe is the biggest contributing factor to some kind of massive split coming our way. A lot of people are, are, are tainted by history, though. And what I mean by this is it's, it's always important to remember history. Otherwise, you're doomed to repeat it. But because they remember the Civil War, they think bloodshed and violence is, is mandatory, is obligation for a civil war. No, we've learned from history and maybe people would avoid it. Maybe several states just say, we're no longer going to support you. Federal government. Think about it. Why didn't Trump send in the military invoking the Insurrection Act? Because there were fears that having military go in and act as an occupying force would destabilize things. It wouldn't work out and it would lead to war or conflict. Okay, let's say West Virginia just goes, we do not recognize Joe Biden as president and will not be paying you know, our taxes to the federal government and our citizens won't either. What's the feds going to do? Are they going to march in with the National Guard or the military? I don't think they will. I think we are well past the point where something like that could actually happen. But I don't know, because I'm not psychic. I think the greatest likelihood and all the speculation is silly, to be completely honest. And I think what might really happen is just they're going to count the votes. Joe Biden's going to become president. Every challenge, every step of the way has just been rejected and ignored. Now, after that happens, I think you're going to see right wing individuals start rejecting the federal government. I think you're going to see the right engage in like Antifa like behavior like they've already started doing. Not to the extent that Antifa does, but Antifa like behavior, tearing down banners, burning them. I think they'll start declaring autonomous zones, just like the left has, and the federal government won't be able to do anything about it. 
just like they couldn't stop Antifa in Portland or Seattle, there will be some small town in the middle of nowhere and they'll say, we do not adhere to those rules. And that's it. And what's the, what are the feds going to do? Do you think anyone's going to support Joe Biden sending in feds? Antifa's not. The far left won't. Conservatives won't. You're going to have a small faction of moderate corporate Dems, and they're not going to have any support. Uh, uh, there's not going to be any large scale support from these people outside of their general sentiment because they're mostly politically inactive. And, that, and, that, and that, that's the point where the populist left breaks away, the populist right breaks away, and then maybe we see some kind of weird decoupling or maybe for some reason that I can't see everything just stops. Perhaps. Over the past several years, I've just said everything's going to escalate because that's where it seems to be going. And I don't see any good reason why it wouldn't. If people are, t- are being told your voices don't matter and we won't hear your court cases, then why would they slow down? Why would they feel like things have gone well for them? Now, if they feel powerless and their lives are being stripped away by these lockdowns, they're going to snap and explode. You're going to see right wing areas have checkpoints where they're like, this is a no lockdown zone do something about it. And they won't. And then the lockdowns will be lifted. And with it, people will realize the federal government can't do anything if they just do whatever they want. It's kind of like speeding. People on the highway, they're all speeding. Everyone speeds always, all the time. Sometimes the cops single people out and pull them over. But you have to go with the flow of traffic. If everyone just did something, that would be it. And it it wouldn't matter. But again, I got no idea. Tomorrow is the Electoral College vote. But I'll tell you, tonight, is the Geminids meteor shower, 120 meteors per hour, 74 million Trump supporters. Uh, so that's 120 wishes per Trump supporter per hour for approximately 10 hours, giving us 88.8 billion wishes from Trump supporters. I'm kidding, by the way, but it's funny, right? I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m. on uh, over at youtube.com slash timcastnews. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then.